We're going to do the last talk. I'm going to do the last talk, uh, doing what disciples do. And I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts uh, day to day, everyday spiritual gifts that we use wherever we go. We've been seeing Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and set people free, which is the bare minimum of what we're called to do too. That's what disciples do. We preach the gospel, we heal the sick, and we set people free. And we've been sent out everywhere in whatever we do with all authority and power. But he didn't send us out empty-handed either. He also sent us out with several powerful gifts to help us in our mission. Jesus said to the Holy Spirit, to the disciples, go, but don't go until you've received power. And he was referring to the first and most important gift, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which I talked about last week. He has now been poured out and is available to anyone who is thirsty. Anybody thirsty? Yes, we're thirsty for the Holy Spirit. We long for his touch. We long for encounter with him. Uh, But he also gives us multiple gifts when he comes. I don't actually know how many spiritual gifts are available to us because there are spiritual gifts and then there are subsections of spiritual gifts. But there are at least 21 spiritual gifts mentioned in the pages of the Bible. There are some mentioned in Romans 8, some Romans 12, some in 1 Corinthians 12, and some in the other part of 1 Corinthians 12. And then there are gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 4 and so on. And here are some of the gifts, the gift of intercession, the gift of prophecy, the gift of serving. They're all going to come up on the, on the uh, overhead at some point, on the PowerPoint, at some point. <laughs> all these gifts, there's so many of them. Um, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith. Healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, different kinds of healing, whatever they are, mercy, helping other people, administration, more tongues, hospitality, speaking the word of God, serving others, at least 22. How many have you got? <laughs> how, many, how many are you using at the moment? There's an online spiritual gifts test that you can take if you want to. Uh, It's been invented and everything. Uh, But these gifts, these amazing gifts are given to help us to build up the church, to build up and encourage one another, but also for our mission in extending God's kingdom wherever we go. And I've talked an awful lot over the years about spiritual gifts in the church, and you can hear about them online. You can catch up with them. Just search spiritual gifts. Lots of talks are going to come up. But I want to talk today about using them in reaching unbelievers, using spiritual gifts with unbelievers, because spiritual gifts are not just for church. They're not. Church is where we get to learn about them. It's where we learn how to use them. We unwrap them, if you like, these wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit. We go after them. So Paul says, pursue spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And I often say here that church is the place where we get to practice what we must then do every day. 
So do you know you need to practice using spiritual gifts? It's just like any other natural talent that you have. If you don't practice the guitar, you don't get any good at it. If you don't practice, and you might be the most musical person, but if you don't practice, you can't improve. It's the same with spiritual gifts, actually. So, for example, when I first started speaking in tongues, I started in my bedroom. It's just like learning any other language. And as I spoke more in tongues uh, by myself, the more confident I became. And also I found as I spoke in tongues more and more that God would even give me other languages for different situations and circumstances. How many languages have you got? There are more, you see. There's, there's the gift of tongues, but there are tongues upon tongues. There's multiple languages that God wants to give you for different things, different things that happen in our lives. And so I pray in tongues. I get these other languages, and then I say, Lord, would you give me the ability to interpret them? Because I want to know what my spirit is praying. And so then I would start to pray in English. It's a really good exercise. Pray in tongues. Say in your mind, Holy Spirit, give me the interpretation and immediately start praying in English. And you get to hear what your spirit is praying. My goodness, you can pray some amazing prayers like that. Ever struggle with prayer? Practice speaking in tongues and then interpreting them. And then we get built up, you see. That's what the book of Jude talks about, building ourselves up in the faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens when we pray in tongues. We build ourselves up in the most holy faith. Anybody need building up? Anyone need to encourage themselves in the Lord, as David talked about? Pray in tongues. Pray that you might interpret those tongues. But it's the same with prophecy. I would ask God to speak to me prophetically in my bedroom. I say, Lord, just give me some words for me. (laughs) And now give me some words for the church. Now give me some words for the world. You know, as I got a bit more confident, start to bring prophetic words for things like that as well. We, we need to practice using spiritual gifts in the same way as we do with any other gifts that we have. Uh, because I think sometimes we can have a bit of a funny attitude towards spiritual gifts. We, we think that they're so kind of mystical and holy uh, that we shouldn't need to practice or work to improve them. A bit like when I first started preaching, I thought that somehow this stream of consciousness would just come out and I wouldn't have to even work if it was truly of the Spirit and I would never get tired or anything like that. How wrong I was. You have to craft it. You have to work on it. I was just with a prophetic guy uh, last week, uh, somebody from Scotland, like a guy like I've never met before, And he uh, had a visitation from an angelic being who gave him a message to give to the churches in rhyme. (laughs) And from that point on, from that point on, after he got that message, all his prophecies were in rhyme. It was absolutely incredible. I have never heard anything like that. Anybody want that one? That would be so cool. If he was a bit younger, I think he could wrap them, but he's a bit old. I don't know. We have to practice. We have to work at it. We have to craft. So this guy, he does these prophecies in rhyme, but he crafts them. But then what he finds is as he spends time just mulling over these words, he also memorizes them. He never needs to read them again. They're in him. And so he brings them spontaneously, as it were, you'd think. So if we're to grow in confidence and proficiency, we need to practice. So, for example, at church, start with one another. Just 
that's that's how simple it is. Just start with one another. Uh, a few years ago, Dave Devonish was telling us about the art of prophetic conversation. It's amazing how often you get into a conversation with another believer and you suddenly, hold on, what you're saying, that really resonates with me. And before you know it, they've prophesied at you. <laughs> the art of prophetic conversation, just talking with one another, saying, what's happening in your life? What What's going on? What? Oh, have you ever thought about this? And this thought just comes. And before you know it, you're prophesying. You can do it over coffee later. Just finding out how things are going with one another. Practice on one another. And it doesn't even have to be from the front. In fact, it's probably better not initially. Uh, but just practice. And not just hit and run practicing either. You know, sometimes we like to prophesy... And I say to people, when you bring words of knowledge, get people to put their hands up to respond to them. Firstly, because that's an act of faith, but also because you're getting instant feedback. And you know if you're on the money or not. shouldn't use that phrase, probably. (laughs) But if we get feedback, we can improve. We can grow in our confidence and we can grow in accuracy. So whenever I bring prophetic words, I always try to ask. That's a contradiction in terms. I always try to ask. I I tend to ask for feedback, not because I want a pat on the back, but because I want to learn about how the gift is working. I want to learn uh, if I'm on the right lines, um, or uh, and I can grow. And because and one of the reasons is because I don't know about you, but I often lack confidence in these things. Yeah, I really do. It's scary. I'm going to prophesy later over a few people, but it's scary to do it because if you if you get it wrong. People will love you even more, you know, and that's scary. They do in this church. I don't know why that is. You get more applause for getting it wrong than you do for getting it right. But there you go. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought now. Uh, What was I going to say? It's something really good. Um, Oh, yeah, I, I found that often the times that I've been inaccurate or I've held back have been the times where I've just, uh, lacked confidence and actually if I'd said what was really in my heart it would have been even more accurate and you just sort of hold back a bit because you know oh that seems a bit brave to say that going for the extra 10% as a friend of mine calls calls it going for that last 10% so we need to practice and we need to practice on one another so what about you here you go I want you to talk to somebody now near you I want you to think about that list of gifts if we could have them back on the screen please Mr. Screen Operator, I'd just like you to think about uh, what gifts are you using day to day? You know, in, I've been working in the church for a few years now, so it's a bit different for me. Uh, but for 20 odd years, I worked in a law office and there were definitely gifts that I was using, spiritual gifts that I was using in the workplace that helped me to do my job. Often God would give me wisdom and insight. He'd give me the key to a breakthrough on a particular job. I got this reputation, give Rob the impossible jobs because somehow we don't know how he gets them done, but he does. And literally, I just pray over the file. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but just show me what to do. And he'd just give me wisdom and understanding and insight. So I just want you to talk for a few minutes. Just look at that that list and just say, look, what gifts am I using every day in my workplace, in my day-to-day life, even in my family, in my school, wherever it is that you are, what spiritual gifts could I be using or am I using but haven't noticed it? I'll just give you a couple of minutes to talk about that.
Okay, that's a couple of minutes. So does anybody have any kind of uh, sudden revelations? Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, I am actually using spiritual gifts in my workplace. Anybody just experienced that? What What did you get? What? Just shout out from where you are. What did you realize? More of them than you realize. Like what? <laughs> just so many you can't even count them. The biggies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's some more to go after. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many people are using leadership in their workplace? Exactly. Yeah. How many people are using wisdom in their workplace? How many people are using prophecy, but perhaps inadvertently? You didn't realize. Oh, yeah. There you go. Mercy, helping people, making a cup of tea for people. Yeah. Being patient, not killing your boss, that kind of thing. Yeah. And do you know, the more you grow in the consciousness of, of this, the more you can choose to use spiritual gifts. They're like tools that you can take wherever you go as a disciple of Jesus and can give you an advantage. Okay. So... How do we use spiritual gifts then with unbelievers? We're doing it already probably unconsciously, but how about using it more consciously? Well, they're called spiritual gifts, so the clue's in the name. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I reminded you about this last week, that we need to be filled all the time. We need to continually, our spiritual gifts run on the fuel of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be continually refilled. The disciples needed to wait, but we don't need to. Once we're baptized in the Spirit and he's made his home in you, you just ask in the moment of need and you'll instantly be filled, instantly. And being refilled doesn't take long soaking sessions and 45 minutes of worship, although that can be helpful, uh, but it's instant. And sometimes it happens in the moment and you'll feel a rush of power. Sometimes you will. Oh, he's here. He's with me. Other times there'll be no sensation, but it'll come just before we speak. Suddenly you know what to say. Uh, Just look up in that moment and say, Lord, I need to know what to say right now. Just give me the right words to say and then step out. And so don't wait for the feeling. You can assume that he's with you. Why? Because Jesus says the Father will never refuse anyone who asks. His anointing comes with the operation of faith. And it seems like the more you walk with God, the less the sensation is sometimes. I don't know why that is, but it is by faith. You step out in faith. It seems like when you first start to move in the Holy Spirit, you get all kinds of tingles and experiences and things that just say, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. But as you you mature, you begin to walk in faith more, but he shows up anyway. So don't rely, don't wait for the feelings. His anointing will come. And of course, when you have an unbeliever standing in front of you, there's no time to wait on God and sing a couple of songs and pray in tongues. You can't even really lay hands on yourself. It it is just a silent prayer and then you step out and there he is. So be continually filled. Start the day with it. Offer yourself, offer your day to him. But then ask him, throughout the day so that you're continually filled. Why don't you just do that now? The Holy Spirit, just fill me.
There you go. That's it. Ask him for a bit more. Thank you, Jesus. It's that instant. It's that quick. You just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm, Ask him now and take a breath and just receive the Holy Spirit. It's that easy. I just wanted to show that to you. It is that easy. So in the moment of need, in the moment of crisis, in the moment we haven't a clue what to say or a clue what to do, Holy Spirit, fill me and he'll be there. He'll be with you. So that's the first thing. Secondly, be willing. That's the second thing. Be willing. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit gives out gifts to each one just as he decides, just as he determines. And the sense of this, according to one commentator, uh, is that of the dancing hand of God. That The Spirit kind of dances over the people of God looking for those who are willing or available. Are you willing? Are you available? Ah, there you go. He'll give you a gift. See, God doesn't have to use perfect people. He uses willing people. So you need to be willing. And that's not always as simple as it sounds because actually it means you've got to die to self. (laughs) You've got to die to fear of what other people might think of you. And we've got to die to our own needs and our problems. You know, one of the greatest hindrances, I think, in stepping out is an overwhelming sense of our own needs and problems. We, we disqualify ourselves even before we step out. We worry about ourselves. And, and so we don't step out. We think, I'm not good enough. And we disqualify ourselves. Jesus says, if anyone, needs, if anyone wants to follow me, you need, you need to die. We don't say that often enough, do we? If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to die. You've got to die to self. Pick up your cross and follow me. Not wait until you feel great and then it's okay. Use me now, Lord. That's not how it works. And of course, another hindrance uh, to the willingness that we have is our busyness. You know, we have a list of jobs uh, or somewhere we have to go. And I just love Heidi Baker on this. And she she teaches, doesn't she, on stopping for the one. Uh, So like you give permission to God to interrupt your day. Say, Lord, the person in front of me is what really matters right now. And that might frighten you, even the thought of it, with the list that you've got. But can you trust him for your day? Can you trust him even for the interruptions that come along? And that in that moment when you need it, you'll have the right words to say. And and, uh, God will look after your schedule. When we got married, um, there's a couple, some friends of ours, gave us a clock for our wedding present. And they said, this is a prophetic sign to you that God is in charge of your time, that there will be times of busyness and times of rest, but everything will fit in to his plan. And I've often thought about that, you know, when it's over busy or where I've got too many things to do, and then there's an interruption. Lord, you gave us that clock as a prophetic sign. Maybe some of you need to go home and look at the clock on the wall in your house and say, Lord, you're the Lord of my time. You're the Lord of my days. You're the Lord of the seasons. I'm going to trust you with my life. Amen? Is it okay for the Holy Spirit to interrupt your schedule, people? We need to be willing. And this is often an act of laying down our lives for others. It's a sacrifice of love and service of others. Even when it means that sometimes we're inconvenienced. It's often when we humble ourselves in this way that the really great stuff happens. And the Bible says that if we give, it will be given to us. 
Much more than we give out will give, be, be given back, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Are you feeling empty? Are you feeling like you need more of the Holy Spirit? Give out more. <laughs> it's like a contradiction. Bring a prophetic word. It'll encourage that person, but you'll also get more back. You get more back than you give out. I'm convinced that that's why some people grow more than others. is because they've learned to give. They've learned to serve others. And so God has rewarded them with pressed down, shaken together, and running over blessings. Amen? Amen. So thirdly, be open. Uh, be open to all that's going on around you if you want to use spiritual gifts with unbelievers. Be open to what people say and do. Be observant. Look for clues of what God might be doing. Because as Jesus told us, the Father is always working. Think about that. I'm not. I mean, I'm in a rest right now, but he's always working. And he's always got something going on that he wants to involve us in. So be open, for example, to sympathy pains in your body that come suddenly. You know, we were somewhere yesterday at this conference, and Hannah suddenly got pains across her feet. And she said, oh, I think, oh, why are my feet suddenly hurting? So Hannah was part of the team that I took with me yesterday. And there was a, it was a word of knowledge. There was somebody there who had problems with their feet. Be open to sympathy pains that come uh, suddenly. There could be a word of knowledge for healing. Be open to thoughts and ideas that suddenly enter your head because it could be information about somebody in your vicinity. So I told some of you this story already, but last, sometime last year, or it might have been earlier in the year, I can't remember exactly when, I was at the petrol station, and I just filled up with petrol. It was evening, it was getting dark, and there was a lady, an Asian lady, uh, on the cash till. And while I was filling up with diesel, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go and tell her that her mum's going to be all right. She's really worried about her mum. She's ill at the moment. I said, oh, Lord, you know, it's late. She's on her own. It's a bit awkward. You know, if there was somebody else around, I would feel less awkward talking to a lady, especially uh, an Asian lady on her own like that, a young girl. And so a man suddenly appears. I don't know where he came from. (laughs) Just as I'm going in to pay. And I thought, oh, no, I can't say anything now because this man's here. (laughs) And then I'm just going to feel a bit awkward about that as well. Oh, well, never mind. Now, I'm just being honest with you. This is what was going on in my head. And so I went back to my car, got back in the car, turned the key, and the Holy Spirit said, go back. (laughs) Oh, all right then. So I turned it off, got out of the car, went back in. I said, look, I'm really sorry. I meant to say this to you before, but I'm a Christian. And I just felt like God wanted you to know that your mum's going to be okay. And I said, you know, the Holy Spirit said to me, or God said to me, I said, God said to me, he's seen your tears and he's answering your prayers. And she immediately just cried her eyes out. And then I thought, now what do I do? (laughs) So I just said, so anyway, (laughs) bless you. And I went, just be open. God will suddenly drop a thought. It's not come from you. It's not come from you. Those thoughts don't come from you. And uh, you even even can argue with them, and he'll make sure that he gets his own way. Be open to atmospheres that suddenly change when somebody enters the room. Have you ever noticed that? Everybody's happy in the office, and then somebody grumpy walks in. <laughs> and, the, and the whole atmosphere just goes down. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Why is it always the negative that seems stronger than the positive? 
So be conscious yourself as you enter an atmosphere. Say, Lord, I'm here now. The joy of the Lord and peace and joy and love and all that. Fill the atmosphere with the presence of Jesus. Uh, Bill Johnson talks about the fact that he and his family will often sit in the car, get full of the Holy Spirit first before they go into somewhere, so that they're consciously taking his presence wherever they go. Some of you are going to see breakthroughs in your workplaces because you're more conscious of his presence going in with you. Be more consciously aware of the atmosphere and the, uh, the change of the atmosphere that you can bring. How about this one? The familiarity of somebody. Um, Steve Wickinger and I have talked about this over the years, that you, you bump into somebody and they remind you of somebody, and you think, why is it that why, there's something about them that reminds me of that person? Don't just think, ha-ha, that's a funny coincidence. Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you something about the person in front of you that's similar to the person that you know. So that's probably a prophetic word. That's probably something that you've got to do there. So you might meet somebody who's, they remind me of a friend who's a doctor. So you go up to this person and say, you remind me of my friend who's a doctor. Are you involved in the medical world at all? And I just think God wants to bless you in your job. And, and that's how it happens. It, God will remind you by the Holy Spirit of somebody else. Um, be alert when someone tells you their problems with very little prompting. Uh, uh, now, this, this one for Tim Plagerson, I don't know where he is. I mean, Tim was on the team yesterday as well. It seems like wherever you take Tim, everybody tells them his problem, their problems. He's just got that gift. People just open up to him. It's the pastoral gift. He's not here, is he? Talking about him, boasting about him while he's not here. But be very alert when somebody just suddenly starts telling you stuff because there's something that God wants you to do. I've told you this before, um, but we had a plumber come into my house from the gas, British gas, and as soon as he walked in, he said, Oh, my back. I thought, Yeah. <laughs> and then he sort of bent down and a bit like chat, chat, chat. Oh, my back really hurts today. I said, Oh, right, okay. And then by the time he said it the third time, I realized that possibly there's something that God wants me to do about it. So I said to him, oh, would you like me to pray for you? I said, I'm a Christian. I believe that God heals people. He says, all right then. And so I prayed for the gas man in my house. And then I just said, tea, would you like sugar? (laughs) I don't know if God healed him, but he was touched anyway. He was touched by the care and the concern of somebody just taking an interest in his life. So be filled, be willing, and be open. Fourthly, be prepared to act. Be prepared to act. Uh, what action you take depends on, of course, the, per- the particular circumstances. But whatever it is, try to speak normally. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be sensitive here, you know. But avoid religious jargon. I actually don't think that should be the case just with unbelievers. I think we should do the same in church anyway. But I'm just as guilty as everybody else. It's easier to slip into jargon, and we perhaps need to work on that a bit in our training. (laughs) So let me just give you a few examples. Uh, For example, using the gift of word of knowledge, often our interactions with unbelievers will start with a word of knowledge. I don't know. It's just like that's what God tends to use. It's like a signpost that alerts us to something that God wants to us to do. 
Something's just got our attention. We feel drawn to them for some reason. Something about the expression on their face or the way they're sitting, even, it just attracts your attention. Alice and I were at a cafe uh, a while ago, and I just noticed the way the lady was sitting, and I thought, oh, she's got a problem with her hip. I'd like to pray for her. We didn't have the opportunity to do that, but it was just like God alerted us to something that was going on. It's, it's a suggestion, actually, of an opportunity to engage. That's what a word of knowledge is in this context. It's the opportunity to move closer, to ask a question, feel your way into it. You don't have to go, I've got a word of knowledge, uh, God says this. No, that, you, don't do, you don't do that even in church. But, you know, especially with unbelievers, they're just going to think you're crazy. So just get to go closer. Just talk to them. Ask them, how are you? Is everything okay? See what happens. Test it and see where it leads. And really what you're seeing is, are they open to you? Are they a person of peace? And then you can take the next step. And so just use simple language. Sorry to bother you, uh, but for some reason you caught my attention. It's probably probably not a good one to use, but but um, <laughs> that, that, that's how I call Alison. Um, but you might say something like, "I'm just wondering, does this mean anything to you?" I'm a Christian. Sometimes God just prompts me to see if there's anything I can do. No, I'm not going to do that again. I can't remember it. <laughs> Yeah, I've told you that story before. We were in a restaurant for our 26th wedding anniversary, and everything was 26. You know, yeah, I've told you this before, you see. Everything, ev- everything was 26. It was the table 26 that we were sat at. The man who was serving us was 26. It was our 26th wedding anniversary, and I said to the waiter, when I noticed all these 26s, and I bet the bill's going to be 26, because I'm such a cheapskate when it comes to uh, anniversary. No, it wasn't. It was because we had a voucher. So by the time the voucher came off, it came to 26. And uh, we realized that something was going on and that God was trying to say something, particularly to this waiter. And I thought 26 represents something in the Bible, and I don't know what it is. So I just Googled it, and it basically represented uh, unconditional love. It was the number of unconditional love. And so I just said, look, we're Christians, and we've noticed this, and you're 26, and it's our 26th wedding anniversary, and we're on table 26. The bill's going to be 26. God's trying to say something to you. And what he's trying to say to you is that he unconditionally loves you, and he wants you to know that today. And uh, so he said, thanks. And then he was freaked out when he got the bill. <laughs> so, yes, word of knowledge. Secondly, prophetic word. Obviously, especially in an, uh, a non-Christian situation, you don't go up to somebody and say, I've got a prophetic word for you, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Just use simple language that people will understand, and in church too. Um, so I went to talk to my boss one day because I had discerned uh, a split coming in the partnership of the firm. I discerned that one of the men was trying to steal the business off of the other partners, and he was gradually getting people to one side. I had no evidence for it, and I knew it was just a, a gut feeling. It was a, That's how I described it to my boss. I said, I've got a gut feeling, but I knew it was the gift of discernment operating, that he was there to split the business. So I went to my boss. I said, Look, I've just got this gut feeling that Something's going on over there. I don't know what it is. There's something not right about it. I think you need to look into it. I think he might be trying to steal the business. 
And I said, I've got no reason for saying it. And he looked at him and he said, I've learnt to trust your so-called gut feelings, Rob. <laughs> Obviously, I'd used that phrase a few times <laughs> in the past. So he went and checked it out and found out that it was true. And he came back and he said, thank you so much. And I said, well, you know, I think God just cares about this business. And so that's why I think he showed me what was going on. And on another occasion, I was uh, praying and I just felt God put a verse in the Bible on my heart for another of the partners and he'd been under a lot of pressure and the verse was that Jesus wanted to come alongside him and take my yoke upon you and learn from me I want to carry some of that burden how do you say that to somebody who doesn't believe even in the bible so I just went in and said look I I was praying this morning before work and I just felt you know that God wanted to encourage you that you've been under a lot of pressure but he cares about that and there's a verse in the bible that says that Jesus comes alongside and helps to carry the weight. And his response was, well, that would be really amazing if somebody would just come alongside me and help me. So I said, well, that's what I'm praying for. And he was really touched. He was really touched about that. That was a word of prophecy in the workplace. Um, He was touched because, actually, you know, people are more open than you think they are. You know, when you go and say, look, I want to encourage you, people are desperate for encouragement. People are very open to prophecy. Uh, in the workplace, I found. And healing. Um, now, how do you do that uh, in the workplace or in unbelievers, with unbelievers? Well, the first thing is, I found it's easy to bring healing to unbelievers, <laughs> uh, especially people that are spiritually open. I found this so many times uh, with people from other religions, other religious backgrounds, um, with Sikhs, Hindus, Muslims, it seems, people that are just new age open to spiritual things. I don't really know why, why it's so easy, but they just kind of are open and so use it. And uh, But if you read the Gospels, you see that time and time again, kingdom breakthrough with unbelievers starts with a demonstration of the power of God in healing. So it seems like that's, that's what God often does to attract the attention of somebody who's open. And I've come to see, and I've said this before, that praying for Christians for healing is a bit like going to the gym. (laughs) You know, you have to persevere. You kind of build faith muscles so that when you pray with the unbeliever, it's easy. And I don't know how it works. It's just an observation. can't see it in the Bible particularly. It's just my observation. So I want to encourage you to pray for believers and practice on one another with a view to the fact that it's going to be easier to do it out there. That's just been my observation, so I'll just give that to you for free. Um, Praying for unbelievers, in my experience, is always, almost always easier. You know, perhaps you notice somebody limping or in pain or something like that, and you can just be careful, though, just be really careful, because, yeah, I was um, speaking to a guy who, who lives in a wheelchair, really. He says, I'm sick of people picking on me and wanting to pray for me and pull me out of my wheelchair. Just be sensitive to that. But generally speaking, especially if the Holy Spirit just prompts you, just go up and say, look, I notice you something not quite right. I'm a Christian. We pray for people who are struggling. And could we give it a go, see what happens? And they'll quite often say, well, I've got nothing to lose. Why not? You know, I've tried faith healing. I've tried this. I've tried that. Why not? Let's give it a try. I, um, we saw some of the most remarkable miracles a few years ago when we were doing Alpha in an Indian restaurant, and uh, they just got the idea that I was a healer. 
So that's what they understood. That was their kind of worldview, that I was a healer. And so that there was so much faith. We'd go in there, and they would line up. Every time they knew it was the healing talk, they would all line up. They'd brought all their friends and their family because the healer's here today. And uh, I remember on one occasion, the manager of the Balti restaurant, he would always have a problem that he needed prayer for. And he'd love it. He'd get really excited. And, and uh, he says, oh, it's my back again. And I said, this is like the third or fourth time I've prayed for your back. You know, you do realize that this is a jinn, don't you? This is a demon that's causing trouble for you. Because whenever I pray for you, it moves. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, but it's fine until you come the next time. I said, well, if, if you don't come to Jesus, it's going to keep coming back. He said, no, it's okay. You just keep coming to the restaurant. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so when you pray, be really simple. Say, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to pray for so-and-so. Please make your presence known to them. That's the end of the prayer. And then speak to the condition. Don't pray for healing. Speak to it. Command the pain to go, the disability to go. Uh, Command new muscles and bones and a new heart, whatever it is that's needed. Just command. I mean, what have you got to lose? You might never see them again. Um, Or you might do. And then you might see an amazing miracle happen. Darren and I were really shocked on one occasion when we went into Mel's Square and prayed for a man who couldn't walk properly. And we prayed for him and he instantly got up and walked. And he was so frightened after it, he just walked in the other direction and didn't even speak to us about it. Um, But God doesn't... You remember that, Darren? Yeah, I'm not making it up. It's just... It was just crazy. Sometimes I think, did I make that up? It was just so crazy. Uh, There's a lady that we prayed for, an unbeliever again, who had had many hernia operations. And uh, she couldn't have another one because there's only a certain number of times you can do this operation. And it was bulging. And so we prayed for her and commanded the hernia to be renewed and for the swelling to go. And it instantly disappeared. And she said she felt something go in and push up. And uh, and she was instantly healed. And it's just like so easy. So why not give it a go? And have a go. See what it's like. Anyway, there you go. Um, something discerned. Often the gift of discernment will work uh, in these different situations we find ourselves. It will start sometimes when you're even praying for healing. Uh, or when you're bringing some wisdom or a prophetic word. You suddenly realize there's something more going on. Other things will start to become apparent. Sin issues might become apparent, uncleanness or negative life choices. Seriously, it doesn't take a lot of great discernment to pick those things out. So if those things come out, that's not the thing that you're meant to be discerning. That might just be information along the way. Uh, Even with Christians, that that can be the case. You can pick up all kinds of negative stuff when you pray for people. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to build up, to strengthen and encourage. And sometimes we see the dirt. But the greater challenge when we see the dirt is to call out the gold, to see what is good, to to call out destiny, to call out purity. And that often means that we'll speak the opposite of what we see. So, for example, if you come across uh, fear in somebody, say stuff like, God is so pleased with you and the courage that you've shown in just being here. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for not running away. He wants to give you courage today. Speak the opposite over them. Pray the opposite for them. Or if uncleanness comes up, just say, look, I think God wants to reveal his holy presence to you. He just wants you to be with him. He wants you to know his presence in your life. Or anger. 
God just wants you to know peace. He wants you to know peace and that he's got everything in control. You can relax. He's got it. He's got your back. You see what I mean? Or what about when prayer is needed? Well, if we, if we offer prayer, people will often respond to an offer for prayer. You know, they'll say they're going through a hard time. Say, look, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I pray about that? Sometimes they'll let you do it there and then. Sometimes you have to do it in another room at some other time. But if you're going to pray, pray simple, short, jargon, jargon-free prayers. <laughs> you know, we, want, we don't want people to feel that they can only connect to God through you because we're the only ones that have got the right language. <laughs> you know, uh, we want them to feel that it's as easy to talk to God as it is for us to talk to one another. So don't become the inadvertent media, mediator, media, mediator between God and man, but leave them feeling confident enough from your example to speak to God themselves. Connect them to God. Encourage them. Say, look, just what I've done, you can do this. Encourage them, release them to do that. Or even just pray a blessing over them. I know that's something that they do in the storehouse, the children's storehouse, and I've been there when it's happened. It's really very, very moving to see people who are so desperate and broken just blessed by people. Just say, we, we love you, we respect you, we pray blessing on you, we pray blessing on your family, blessing on your circumstances, bless you with his presence, may he watch over you, may he keep you, may he guide you. Just pray blessing, just speak words a blessing. It's so powerful just to bless. And you know we have a commandment from God to bless. We have been commanded by God to bless. We're not to curse. We're only called to bless. To bless them. Amen? What about the results though? That's the, that's the scary bit, isn't it? Well, the results are up to God. They're not our responsibility. Now, our responsibility is obedience and serving others is our responsibility. Our goal in all these things is to leave people in a better place than where we found them. And after people left us, we want them to feel more loved, more accepted, encouraged and hopeful. That's what we want more than before they met us. We don't want them to go away feeling condemned and like a worm. We don't want to do that. So... There you go. That's it. That's the message. And I just want to ask you to respond to this, really. This is something God is doing. He he is equipping us for mission. That's the foundation that we're building. We're going to come back to it a bit in the new year. I think we're going to talk about, I think we're going to talk about workplace ministry. That's something that's on my heart to just talk about the workplace a bit more. Um, But I just want to invite you to offer yourself to God again. Just offer yourself to God again. And I love this line um, from Alan Scott's book, Scattered Servants. You've got to read that book. Seriously, it's life-changing. I I don't know what to do with that book at the moment. I have to keep putting it down because it makes me cry and makes me frustrated and makes me excited all at the same time. But I recommend you to read it. And there's a line in it which is so captured me. It says, God doesn't send the lost into the church. He sends the found into the world. Come on. I'm going to read that again. It's so good. God doesn't send the lost into the church. He sends the found into the world. I, I'm, I want to send you today. I want to commission you to go, the, the found, into the, into the world to find the lost. People will also be sent to you. It's not just that we have to go out. People will also be sent to you. But we need to learn how to recognize them. They'll come to your door. You'll come across them in the street. 
I've come to your desk. Be alert, be available. Be prepared to have your day interrupted. So I just want to finish with a prayer together and um, just do it line by line together. Oh, it's there. That's what I wanted. Magic. I didn't do the PowerPoint. Ruth did it. So thanks, Ruth. So there's the prayer. I want us just to pray this together. Just read it first, because if you don't agree with it, don't pray it. Or shall I read it to you? Here it goes. Father, I offer myself again to you today and ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please use me for your glory wherever I go and in whatever I do. Father, I'm yours, so direct my steps where you want them to go. And please send people to me that you want me to speak to. Show me what you're doing in every situation I find myself. And Lord, I give you permission to interrupt my day whenever you want and to trust you for this. Amen. So if you'd like to pray that prayer with me, why don't you just stand and we'll just pray it together. Come on then, let's pray this. Father, I offer myself to you again today and ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please use me for your glory wherever I go and in whatever I do. Father, I am yours, so direct my steps where you want them to go and please send people to me that you want me to speak to. Show me what you are doing in every situation I find myself And Lord, I give you permission to interrupt my day whenever you want and to trust you for this. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.